Well, hello, y'all, and welcome to Sounding the Light, the place where you can connect to real artists, real stories, real talk. My name is Tara Tucker, and I'm really glad that you have come to visit me today. Uh, because I ha- I know, I always say that I have special people on, and they're always special, but this one is kind of extra special because it's someone that I would say I've known for as long as I've been alive, but I think he's known me for longer. <laughs> uh, his name is Steve Rutledge. He is a pastor and worship leader out in California. Um, he is actually at Main Street Church in Winters, California, and uh, I'm... I'm just really pleased to be able to talk to him. He has been in the music scene for, oh my gosh, over 40 years. I mean, I don't want to (laughs) make him sound old or anything. (laughs) I will apologize later on. But the reason why I've known him for this long is because he knew my dad in a group called the Gospel Express. It was a college group um, that they were singing in and had this really awesome band. And, uh, you know, from then on, um, he has gone his his way in the music route and, and uh, is also pastoring. So um, once again, I am really, really excited to be talking to him today. Um, but before we officially hear from Steve, I'm going to play one of the songs that uh, that he sang lead when he was a part of the Gospel Express. This song is called Let the Fire Burn. It's uh, actually a song that was written by my dad, and I love the song. It's one of my favorites. I grew up on it, (laughs) and I hope you enjoy it, too. again, that was the song called Let the Fire Burn off of the Gospel Express record. Yes, it was when records were still being made. 
<laughs> back some years ago. And uh, it's one that I, like I said, I've grown up with. And we are on the line right now with uh, Steve Rutledge. He is the lead singer of that song and is also a pastor and worship leader out in California. Steve, I'm so glad to have you on today. How are you? I'm doing just great. It's just, it's a real delight to be with you, Tara, on Sounding the Light. What an honor. I'm I'm really glad as I was listening to some of this music earlier, um, it just shot me way back. <laughs> you know how you have these little flashes. I, I can't remember exactly what was going on each time that I was hearing this music, but man, it, it certainly brings back memories and feelings and whatever. I love this music. It's great. That's what music does. It does. Yes, it brings back a lot of memories. You hear a song any place, and all of a sudden your mind is just filled with all kinds of memories of what was going on when you first heard that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so can uh, you know? Can we start all the way back from the beginning? And uh, I'd like to ask where you were born. Well, I was born in Bakersfield, California, so I am a California boy all the way. <laughs> uh, but I grew up in Sacramento. I wasn't in Bakersfield much, much past being born there. And uh, so that's where I grew up. Um, and as far as you know, back in those days, uh, it, Sacramento was not the big town it is now. Hmm. But like everything else, things change. But yeah, that's where I started, and I'm not too far from there now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that uh, I remember, I don't know if I'm just jumping the gun on this, but some <laughs> of the things I remember growing up, uh, I was trying to think about what it was like back then. Now, that's been a long time ago. See, I'm down the road a ways. But mm-hmm. when I said, okay, if I had to just think about a few things that really meant a lot to me, it really ended up being the times that we got together as uh, all of our families, our aunts and uncles and cousins, we would get together on a pretty regular basis at my grandmother's home in Modesto, California. And um, it was just an incredible time. Uh, it was a time of a lot of joy, hmm. uh, a lot of excitement. And you can imagine with a, a bunch of kids running around, <laughs> there were about 30 of us that would stay oh, in my wow. grandmother's little house. That's awesome. A little two-bedroom, little two-bedroom house. And uh, in that house, we would all somehow sleep there each <laughs> night during this reunion. And the kids were, we were all relegated to the front room. They would move all the furniture as far apart as they could. And we all were laid down like just in a row. And you probably couldn't turn over <laughs> like unless, you got everybody, yeah, <laughs> unless you got everybody to agree to turn over at the same time. Right? But those were great times. Great times. It was just a lot of fun. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. Did you guys have good food? Had awesome food, the best food. Of course, my grandmother was from the South, and so you can imagine. Uh, you know, you know what good oh, Southern food is like. Oh my goodness! Right? Yeah. So actually, being from California, I I was introduced to uh, to the good, and I still to this day am a fan of sweet tea. Yes. My grandmother knew how to make that, and it was <laughs> nobody else knows my what favorite. that is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you can't beat it. You can't beat a no, good, refreshing no. glass of cold sweet tea. <laughs> there you go. Just get me going now. <laughs> but it has to be like southern sweet tea. I mean, it's got to be like have a little tea with your sugar. <laughs> that's exactly right. I was going to say, don't add any of this other stuff that's supposed to be sugar. It's got to be real. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's really awesome. So uh, so were you part of a musical family? Yeah, actually I was. That's um, you know one of the things my uh, I was born into it, actually, my dad was the main musician in the family. My mother, although she loved to sing, it was more of a joyful noise, but my dad was mm-hmm. really a pretty accomplished vocalist and musician. He played the guitar. He also played the harmonica. 
Uh, if he wasn't doing either of those, he was whistling. My dad was music <laughs> around us all the time. Hmm. Did you guys have like, you know, radio and records and that sort of thing they got to listen to? Or was it mostly, you know, I'm going to make my own music? No, yeah, no, we had the radio uh, uh, going a lot. It was, in fact, one of the funny stories about that is we would get in the car and my dad was, you know, he was from uh, Texas, Kentucky, Oklahoma area. And, <laughs> and he was certainly a country western fan. And for whatever reason, you'd think I would just adapt that, but I never did really fall in love with country music. And so I would ask my dad in the car when we were listening to the favorite country station, I'd say, uh, Dad, uh, could we maybe, you know, turn that to something else? And he would look at me and say, no. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know why. I just kind of went a different direction. Right, from, I was a rebel from the beginning. <laughs> well, when I listened to, like, the music that you guys did, you know, with, with uh, Gospel Express, for instance, in, in college, I hear a lot of Beatles influence. Did you listen to the Beatles and all that ever? Did, yes. <laughs> yes, you couldn't help but listen to the Beatles. Right. You know, I, 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 that's an interesting observation from you. I, actually, I'm kind of glad that you kind of noticed some influence, because I was trying to think about what the influences were, and I really... For myself, I still am not sure what all of those are, but that's mm -hmm. an interesting take on that. Mm -hmm. Because they had a lot of uh, interesting chord changes and chord progressions, and and uh, just their feel right. was, you know, what it was. And, and I, I get that a lot from you guys' music, especially with the cool drums and the, you know, guitar in there. And it's great. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> it's really great. Real basic stuff, but it was good, yeah. Music, in fact, I still prefer the music being... Uh, less cluttered. Mm -hmm. uh, if I have my my, I, I like orchestration, mm -hmm. but that's a whole different thing. But when it comes to singing, I like the le less music, the better. As far as less instrumentation, mm -hmm. I like it to be as clean and pure as possible. It's just my preference. Um, although I, I like a lot of different music, so so kind of where I'm at. When when did you realize that you know you were going to be a musician? Yeah, you know that's that's a question you kind of uh, kind of told me to kind of think about and one of the things that I, I, I when I was thinking about that and you were saying a while ago about music being in my life for at least 40 years and you apologize the thing is it's really it's really been 62 years well actually take it back it's been 60 probably about uh, oh take it back about 50 some years because I joined my first choir in the second grade wow uh, yes and except third uh, except for the third grade when they didn't have a choir that year every year after that all the way through college at least the first part of college until the gospel expressed i was in some type of uh musical group so <laughs> music's been a part of my life forever forever wow. actually yeah were you always singing uh you sing like more of a um uh mid like tenor range right right actually i would say it's more mid tenor although i can you know i can still if i don't have to be up there very long i can very fairly well be the <clears throat> the upper level uh -huh. of the tenor range too of course we uh we we kind of inflicted jr gonzalez with that duty in our in our court <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can reach some high notes I'm really he impressed. could yes he could right <laughs> oh, well, you know what church church was a big influence obviously being raised in, uh -huh. in church my entire life um that's where you know you're obviously exposed to music and i mm -hmm. i still even though i don't necessarily do a lot of the music we did then Mm -hmm. uh, which which was primarily hymns, and then I remember when I started adding a few choruses. See, that's how long ago it was. <laughs> um, but I loved it because it was really very structured. Mm -hmm. Hymns are very structured, and that's where I learned how to harmonize. Mm 
Yeah. It was like an almost a choir type thing. So I began to, on my own, as a kid in church, I would begin to try and find another part to sing other than the, than the melody. Uh-huh. So that was uh, how that kind of started. And I think that's why I joined choir in second grade. I just kind of, something about it uh, was an interest to me. It's interesting to come across the people who, I happen to be one, who just absolutely love vocal harmony and yes, uh, me too. so it's just you know there, there's just like that sweet spot that's really it's really satisfying <laughs> absolutely so. I actually I really if there's a preference mm-hmm. uh, when we're singing even though I lead the worship a lot mm-hmm. I have a, a few people that have a difficult time with harmony so if they're real solid on the lead then I just I just automatically go, in, go into the harmony after <laughs> we get the song up and going because I, I just I enjoy it I enjoy being there and I just enjoy the sound of it. That's why, actually, so far as uh, influences, some of the influences for me, if you give you an idea where my thinking comes from, I don't know how much it influences what I actually do, but I enjoy groups like America because of the close harmonies. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed any, any duet group or trios mm-hmm. because of the harmony. I was always after that really tight, really mm-hmm. pure harmony. Uh, Seals and Crofts, your dad and I were actually one time referred to as the Christian Seals and Crofts. And you'll have to look that up to find out who they are. But okay. <laughs> you'll have to ask him about that. Um, but just that kind of harmony, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Loggins and Messina, a lot, a lot of duet type stuff and then trio. But the, uh, the, the group America was really one of my favorite. And I, in all fairness, my dad, I said I, I kind of rebelled against the country thing. I don't despise it by any means. Uh-huh. There are, in, in fact, country music has changed a lot over the years as well. And if you think about it, uh, quartet music <clears throat> is just a step a step away from yes. that anyway. So uh-huh. it's, it's the influence is, there's no way I can escape the influence. It's just there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely has a lot of fingers everywhere. Like, you know, thinking about like, yes, folk songs and, and all that kind yes. of sort of downhill mountain music. And yeah, very much so. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting uh, how music kind of crosses over. That's why sometimes it's really hard to, you know, put things into a musical genre because there's so many different influences now. And then, of course, you're right, because people nowadays uh, seem to have taken a little bit of delight in trying to mix a couple of different mm-hmm. genres together. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's turned out really well. And sometimes, well, maybe not so well. <laughs> Uh (laughs) Well, then with all those tight vocal harmonies, it makes sense that you were, you know, part of a quartet. Who started that? You know, actually, who started that? I I really believe that was started by Jr. Mm -hmm. I believe he started that. And then he brought, I don't know exactly how we all fell in line. I think I was one of the last ones that was asked to come and and to try out. And I think at the time it, they were thinking of having me do, I think GR was considering doing lead and wanted a tenor. Mm-hmm. But when we got to going, they somehow in that process, I, I picked up the lead line and he took the tenor line. But it was Paul Piazza and your mm-hmm. father, of mm-hmm. course, Cal Chowning. And and um, and then we had other musicians that came and went, you know, uh, instrumentalists. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was, a, it was just a great group in my opinion. But we had a great time together, <clears throat> and that has lasted a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, even though we don't see each other, obviously, after the 40-year reunion, that was just an incredible time. And, yeah. Um, yeah, you guys just all got to get together. Uh, when was that? About three years ago? Four years ago? Yes. Yes, it wasn't long ago. And the, the only sad part of that whole thing was uh, our bass singer, Ken Swanson, he was not, a, a, we couldn't find him anywhere. We looked and looked for him. Oh. Uh, we even did some online searches. We had just totally lost him. 
And then after we had the reunion, we just kind of thought, well, man, it should be nice if he could be here. After it was over, we finally located him in Oregon. And uh, so our next reunion is going to have to wait because since that time, uh, Ken passed away and uh, he's already there waiting for us so we can have the big reunion later on. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be amazing. I'm I'm glad I'll actually get to be there for that one. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Sure will. Oh man, that's gonna be that's gonna be some good stuff. Wow, wow, it uh, will be. So you had mentioned earlier about the music. Um, your in, a lot of your mm-hmm. influence being from church and stuff. So I'm assuming that you right. grew up in church. When did you actually, I, you know, make Jesus very personal to you, relationship wise? Well, like a lot of things, you know, people say, "Well, I was I was born a Christian," you know, and I wasn't. Obviously, you have to make that personal choice. But mm-hmm. I do. Um, being raised in a Christian home, which um, I'm so thankful for. Um, in fact, I, I, when people talk about having really difficult childhoods uh, and difficult situations in their home, it, it does break my heart, but I can't relate to it. I, mm. um, I try as hard as I can to try and even grasp some of the, some of the horror stories that I've heard, because my situation was totally different. I had mm. uh, two incredible parents um, who were married 52 years until my dad passed away. And, Wow. But we were raised in a Christian environment. And the thing that I, when I say that, it, it doesn't mean that we just went to church. And what I loved about growing up was that our relationship with Christ and that whole influence was in our lives every day. It was not, okay, we're going to put on our Christian clothes and go to church mm-hmm. on a Sunday or a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It, was, it really was how we lived. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was just so comfortable. It was how it really is. So I, I accepted the Lord. At four and a half years old, hmm. and uh, which is very young, and, and I, I remember that. Um, and certainly over the years, you grow in that understanding. But one of the things uh, that was interesting to me, my mother shares this with me. She said that when I went to the altar, that I wept at the mm-hmm. altar like I had killed a hundred people, you know. And um, it just was so, the thing that overwhelms me to this day, and I think it uh, will show up later in our interview about the influences and what I think is important, is that I just could not... Uh, for the life of me, understand how anyone uh, could could hang Christ on the cross, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for for any reason. I understand now why, obviously, but I just couldn't understand how anyone could be so so cruel to someone so good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after living after living four and a half years of sin, a hardened life, you know, I <laughs> I, came, <laughs> I came to Christ at four and a half. I decided to give up my life of sin and and turn my life over to Christ. But it's just, it's been a wonderful, been a wonderful time. That means that I've been a Christian now for 60 years. It's wow. wonderful. It just, it's hard for me to even grasp, but, wow. but I'm thankful for every yeah. single day of it. Yeah. Did yeah. you know from early on that you wanted to be a pastor? You know, I didn't know that. What I did know is that uh, I really felt a genuine call of God on my life to really devote myself to the ministry. It was more, in that sense, a general thing, but that I would devote myself or set myself apart. Actually, I think what it really is today would be that that God was setting me apart for that, and I just responded to it. But at 12 years old, in a revival meeting at our church, um, the minister said that God was specifically calling someone. I was so broken at that moment. I mean, it was like, it was just like if uh, God could had just tapped me on the shoulder. There was just no way that I knew he that he was talking to anyone else other than me. Mm-hmm. So from that time forward, then everything that I did, even though you know you still you grow up, you go to school. I was twelve. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you finish school, you have a job, and you do all the things you do. But I knew for for from that time forward that that's what I would do. Wow. 
as far as pastoring a church, that I didn't know. I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that whatever he was asking of me, mm-hmm. um, it would be to, do, to devote myself to that fully. And uh, so anyway, I, it's one of the interesting things I think is, this would be an interesting thing to share with people, and that is that when I was going to Bethany, where I met your dad and, mm-hmm. and the other guys in the group. That's the Bible College out there, right? Yes, yeah, a college in, in just outside of Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. Scotts Valley. Um, but uh, guys were graduating, and, and they were going into ministry. Some were starting churches, some were going on staff. And, and people asked me if I knew what I was going to do. I said, you know, I really don't. Uh, they said, well, you are you going to, you know, are you going to pastor? I said, you know, I, I really believe that someday I will. <laughs> I said, but at that time, I said, I didn't really feel, I didn't feel like for me personally, I, I didn't judge anyone else. And that's fine. That's some of them had tremendous success, but I, I didn't feel that I would be qualified hmm. in a lot of ways to pastor a group of people when I was just a young guy coming out of college. And I said, I really believe I could see myself possibly pastoring a church in my when I when I'm in my fifties, <laughs> and what's interesting about that statement was I didn't think about it much um, after that. I did a lot of different things. I was I, you know traveled with the group for a while, and your dad and I sang for a while, even though we were working secular jobs. So we were bivocational, and um, we went through that process and went back to Sacramento. and And I was involved in church and I helped out and that sort of thing. And then I became an associate pastor. Uh, at a church, and I was there for eight and a half years doing youth and music, and then to another church doing youth for another six and a half years before I got to where I am now in winters. I was an evangelist for a short period of time in between. Really? And when I got here, I, was, I got a phone call asking me if I would be interested, or would I please consider pastoring the church we're at right now? And that was 11 and a half years ago or so. And I, I said, well, I certainly will pray about it. I was a little bit, I was quite nervous. I had never, at that point, I thought, well, I'm probably not going to pastor. <laughs> and then we were on our, my wife uh, and I, Cheryl and I were, we went to Santa Cruz, which is our go-to place when we really need to hear from God. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Santa Cruz and we prayed about it and talked about it and really felt that that's what God wants to do. And while I was talking to the, the individual that asked us, I realized it dawned on me that I was 52 years old. <sighs> And so all of a sudden I remembered what I said all the way back when I was wow. in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's almost like it's prophetic, you know, <laughs> without mm-hmm. even knowing it. So that's kind of how I end up where I am today. Well, that's really cool. It is cool. Yeah, I think it is. So how was your life while you were an evangelist? How different was that than being a pastor? It was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the part it, it was hard only in the sense I got to sing a lot more. Um, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I could really I tried to present and structure whatever I did. I didn't necessarily. I don't know if I was the classic events because I actually probably did something similar to the Gospel Express. Mm-hmm. I would sing songs, and then I would share in between those things, and I would tie the songs to what the message was about. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a uh, kind of like a common. I, my, the ministry I had was called Word and Song. So go figure. It was I did share the word, but I also included the music with it to kind of carry the message forward. Yeah. And and hopefully, I really believe that music really penetrates a little deeper than just the spoken word in most cases. Yeah. And um, and so I, I think that really helped a lot. And that was just for a couple of years. I didn't really do that very long. Okay. And that all said, I really, if someone said, can you identify for me, do you consider yourself a you know, pastor? That's what you really <laughs> feel you are. And the truth is, is I, I feel called to where I am now, mm-hmm. and I love 
seeing people grow in Christ, uh, that's one of my biggest joys to see them make progress in their walk with the Lord. But if someone said, can, if you could really pin down who you think you are as far as ministry, I really have always believed that it's a, a missionary evangelist. I have a real heart for missions mm-hmm. and also for just making sure the gospel gets out to people uh, that don't know Christ. So that's kind of where I'm at. When you're leading worship, uh, do you lead uh-huh. more of a contemporary worship or is it, you know, more hymns? No, it's actually, I would say it's more, it is more contemporary. That was something I was going to ask you about, you know, like just coming from where you were at and, and watching the, right. you know, the, the sort of Christian music scene morph, um, you know, how, how you've dealt with that, how you've, where you've gone with that. Right. And I, you know, maybe, maybe that little, that little inkling of, of being, uh, you know, not necessarily want to be tied to a particular thing. Cause I really enjoy music. In fact, one of the little known things is that one of the, one of the, uh, genres of music that I really enjoy a lot is opera. Really? I really do. Awesome. I really do. I used to put on a little a little um, corduroy red vest and have my, and with black slacks and a white shirt and have my dad drop me off by myself downtown Sacramento to Memorial Auditorium uh-huh. whenever the opera was in town and I would go <laughs> in and pay the cheapest ticket and sit in the highest point of, of the balcony just to listen to a, a song, uh, this whole production, then I couldn't understand a word they were singing because it was <laughs> <Right>. in Italian. <laughs> and I just, I was just like I was in heaven. So, isn't that interesting? Do you have a favorite one? Yeah, you know, I don't know. No, I don't really have a favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I loved the music. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter to me what the story was about. Of course, I enjoyed <laughs> the acting part, but I just loved the powerful tones, you know, the powerful voices yeah. that could just. You wonder where does that come from? Where's that? How can they? How does, can that music come out of those people like that? You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed that a lot. But you know, I just um, that as far as uh, worship time. Back to worship is it's con- it's way more contemporary. It's probably ninety percent contemporary. And of course, people like Chris Tomlin mm-hmm. and, and a few others have brought the hymns back in, and mm-hmm. where he mixes and blends the two together. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful because I, I love the hymns. I don't have anything ill to say about the hymns. I think they're very incredible. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. That's kind of what we do. We do a little, a little bit of everything. We do some Chris Tomlin. You know, we've done some different things. Um, uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, some of the songs they've done, we've, we've turned those into worship songs to do in the church setting. We've, we've done, um, we do some Jesus culture music as well. Oh, I love so, Jesus culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, we try to stay away from not because there's anything wrong with it because I actually like it, but the the group uh, I just lost their name, but the group from Australia because Hillsong. they are so yeah Hillsong because they're so wordy. <laughs> they're, it's like they are <laughs> yes. they're wonderful. Yeah. Messages are strong, but like oh my goodness, you're you're like can you really get all those words out in that <laughs> period of time? But and and then probably the reason for that is because I I personally, if it really comes down to it, if I'm going to worship, I like to. I like to worship with as few words as possible mm-hmm. so that there's more given to just being in the presence of the Lord mm-hmm. as as opposed to trying to, you know, ramble off a bunch of words about it. Mm-hmm. I like to really, in other words, I like to key in on a particular aspect of our relationship with the Lord in that worship or something about Him where you, you you're basically, it's called, it draws you, it's almost like a meditative thing in a way without yeah. getting ridiculous, but it's, it draws you to a particular attribute or aspect of Him, and then you, as you focus on that, it's amazing what the Spirit of God begins to do in you with mm-hmm. that. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of where I uh, where I kind of lean or try to get to at some point in the in the worship time. I love that. That's great. Being a pastor, I I, I really worry about being overexposed because sometimes mm-hmm. in a small church, because it is a small church of about maybe seventy or eighty people or whatever, when you do that, you it, it can be it can be very demanding and, and tiring in a lot of ways. It's wonderful too, but. I've been trying to work with a young guy named Briar Anderson. He's 17 years old. He's an incredible self-taught guitar player who is not, he's no slouch by any means. He plays exceptionally well. Hmm. He he learned a lot of his licks and things from YouTube, of all things, which has, <laughs> been, has turned out to be a great teacher for a uh-huh. lot of different things. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's just really, really good, and, and he's nervous, but I've been been turning some songs over to him to lead and and he's getting past the shaky point he's getting better at it i'm really i'm trying to work myself out of a job is what i'm trying to do so that my (laughs) worship when i do it is my own Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i'll never stop doing that but i'd like to be able to get to a place where other people are are more involved at that level Mm -hmm. so do you ever get to sing songs that you have written in church yes we do actually some of the songs that we've written are songs we wrote purposely for worship Awesome. Uh, you know, one one song, while you're thinking of that question, one of the songs I wrote as uh, kind of a tribute to my mom and dad, I wrote it back in April of 2008, and it was a song called Singing Hallelujah to the King, which doesn't really tell the story. What I, I was thinking about when I wrote it, I was, and, and I do a lot, I don't know if you do this or not, but when I was writing, a lot of the writing I do is really late at night or early mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, like after the midnight hour when <laughs> everything is quiet and still. My wife said it's only quiet for you because we can hear you playing in there. But um, <laughs> but when I do that, it's just uh, it's just that real nice quiet time. Mm-hmm. But I wrote a song. I was thinking about growing up. It was one of those times I was reflecting on growing up and and what our home life is like. And so I and about going to church and and all that. I said, you know, with all the music the way it is now, uh, people from time to time say, well, how you know what happened to the hymns? Why don't we do the hymns? And 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 I and I try to make sure we do some of that. But I thought I'm going to write a new song, but I'm going to try to write it in a what my version of a contemporary mm-hmm. hymn would be. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote this song called uh, Singing Hallelujah to the King. And at the end of each verse, that's that's the line you sing, is singing Hallelujah to the King. And it's interesting, when I introduced it to the church, they adapted to it really, really quick and and loved it. I, huh. I mean, I thought it was an okay song because it meant a lot to me, but I didn't know that it was going to be received that way. But one of the things I did on purpose was that in the song, as I was writing it at the piano, I incorporated the titles of other songs that we sing. Uh, just an example was the first verse of it is, As we gather with each other, just to worship Jesus' name, uh-huh. and our voices all ring out, Amazing Grace. <laughs> so there's the title, right? Yeah. Singing songs of My Redeemer, <laughs> which is another song, As We Long to See His Face, singing Hallelujah to the King. And so it went along like that. The next verse is, as we worship our dear Savior, the one who died for you and me, we don't worry about tomorrow because he lives, which is another song. Right. Just a few more days to journey and, we'll, and, we'll, and we will all be home at last, singing holy to the king. So I did that. And then, then the, I, what I was doing was a progression of what it would be like in a, in a service growing up. And you get oh, to the altar awesome. call, someone, someone stumbles to the altar as we sing, just as I am. Mm-hmm. And at the cross, which is another hymn, mm-hmm. he leaves behind his guilt and shame. With the angels, he's rejoicing as his name is written down, singing hallelujah to the king. And then at the end, the last verse is, one hand reaches up to heaven, and then the people in church actually did this. The other takes a brother's hand. Hmm. All God's people stand together with shouts of praise. As we leave, we hug each other until we gather once again, singing hallelujah to the king. 
So that's kind of that was a song oh, that was written I for my mom and dad. That. Yeah, and it's a neat song, really neat song. And I, when I say it like that, it's not because I wrote that. I, I feel like God really gave that to yeah. me. So it's easy for me to say that about a song. Um, then I feel like God has really kind of inspired it or given it to my heart, uh, an expression of my heart to Him. Wow, that's really beautiful. Do you have that recorded yeah, anywhere? I don't have it recorded, no. I just I probably should ship it off to your dad so he can <laughs> do that for me. Oh, or yeah. you, or maybe you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I keep forgetting you're. You know, you're not that little girl anymore. <laughs> Sometimes um, I feel like one, but. <laughs> well, that's okay. You, that's okay. You will always be to us. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's just kind of some of the influence. And then we, you know, then the other thing that I experienced uh, in worship, doing worship, was having a gentleman in our church who's in our worship team who just does not feel like he can write music. But he writes some incredible lyrics. So he handed me some lyrics and said, here, write the music to this. Well, I've never never done that. And <laughs> I sat down and prayed, and, and these different, I've done this several times for him, and it's just like the Lord just just makes it, honestly, it's, it's almost ridiculously easy, <laughs> the way the music comes for each of those songs. So it's been kind of fun. Yeah, just, it's been, so there's just been a lot of exciting things that have gone on over the years, and and, uh, far, and, of course, I am somebody who doesn't believe that, well, okay, your time has passed you by. There, if things change. I just don't think time passes you by. And I still mm-hmm. want to continue to write and continue to worship. And uh, that's, what I, that's what I hope to get to do. I don't think uh, – uh, I think one of the things that you had asked me, too, uh, just in passing, I don't know where I have my notes, but you had asked something about one of the things that surprised me about about music and singing and that sort of thing. And the yeah. thing that surprised me, I think, the most is the fact that if you take care of yourself and you take care of your voice, it's one of the things you can do your entire life and not lose it. Like, as an athlete, I was an athlete <laughs> growing up. Uh-huh. After a while, the muscles don't work as well. The joints don't work as well. No matter how well you take care of yourself, it's just like professional athletes. They have a very short mm-hmm. uh, career. But in music, I'm so thankful that God First of all, that God gave me that to express my heart to Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was from Him. I'm thankful for that, and that I can do that my entire life. So, uh, since you have kind of been around in the recording and music scene for a while, um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and, and again, true. I don't want to, you know. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Oh, but uh, since you're talking about recording style, uh, recording. Um, how people go about it now. Yeah. When when everything went to the indie thing, independent right, thing, yeah. that actually changed everything because nothing. You're not restricted. And then when you talk about getting into the whole element of YouTube and on and on, there are people that have more people listening to them sing <laughs> on YouTube than they uh-huh. would ever have an opportunity to do if they were on you know, on a concert tour. You know, so it's, right. everything has changed dramatically, and I don't know how that's going to end up. Uh-huh. Um, you know, starting out back in the beginning, the first recording I did was probably in high school. I was one of the uh, several years running. I was in the all-city choir, so all the high schools in the city of Sacramento picked their top four vocalists, mm-hmm. uh, a tenor, an alto, you know, a, a soprano, and a bass singer. And they would bring them all together and make one big, giant choir. And cool. we would sing at the big auditorium downtown. Well, they recorded those. I don't have a copy of them anymore, but they recorded those and, and produced albums with that and that was a that was an interesting experience because you can imagine a, they did this in a, in a room it wasn't a recording studio it was in a big hall 
but they had special microphones. Was this around the 60s? That would actually, voice? yeah, that would be in the 60s, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we did that in the 60s and then the mid-60s, actually. And then later on, um, of course, I recorded uh, with Comstock Records. I'd mentioned that. Uh, that was with your your dad's influence there. Mm-hmm. And I recorded the, uh, a, it was a 45, of all things. <laughs> <laughs> the little old tiny 45. <laughs> That's a little tiny record, yeah. yeah. And now, of course, now, you know, they've gone back to vinyl again. It's a big deal now. And right. They have, Oh my goodness! Yeah, they can't. They can't decide what size they want. But we did the recording. It was a forty-five, and they used it as a uh, to promote. And they sent out records all over the country, and they even <laughs> sent them to Puerto Rico and and Canada, and got airplay. So I, that was an experience for me awesome. to get to get these little report sheets in on how the song was moving up the charts or not moving at all, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and so the songs I did on that were "Living for My Lord" and "A Single Eye." Which uh, oh, dad I love wrote that both song. of those. Yeah, isn't that a great song? Yeah. yeah. And then after that, of course, was the one um, that I did with. It was all you've heard of Daywind music at all. <sighs> Daywind so. does a lot of southern southern gospel uh, recordings. They're they're a big southern gospel group out of Nashville mm-hmm. uh, company, and a, a gentleman that they hired. They wanted to branch into the contemporary field, but they I guess they somebody in the in the family didn't like the changes. He didn't last long, but before he got the heave ho, he contacted. Uh, I got in touch with him, and he invited me to come, and we did the whole thing. And they were even didn't even have a label; they didn't have a name for a label <laughs> for their contemporary thing. So he, he said, "Actually, we're looking for a name." So I gave him a list of ten, and uh, that I thought would be cool. Uh-huh. And uh, they they chose one uh, that I gave them. It was called Whitefield. You know, the fields are white in the harvest. Yeah. So Whitefield was the label that I recorded on. And after a while, if you were to call them now, they, they deny that they ever had the label. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one that I did call, that has this called More Than Hallelujah. Now that's a CD, a whole CD that you did, right? It's a whole CD, right. So but, that was the, the latest one other than just, you know, goofy things we do around here. But that was the last one. But the whole experience, it was very different from the high school, which is a, a large room, then actually the studio uh, with your dad and the one I did at Nashville later, they're very similar. What, what I noticed was actually the one uh, that I did for Comstock, that was in a more professional, specific place. It was built just for that. The one I did for uh, Whitefield or Daywind, mm-hmm. that was actually, we walked, we drove into a neighborhood and drove up to a house. <laughs> I thought, well, where are we? We walked in the front door and they had converted the whole house into a studio, that oh, kind of awesome. thing, you know, mm-hmm. which is really common, really common in Nashville today. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the, how it's progressed. But I think nowadays, uh, and you know this yourself, just working with your dad and probably your own, uh, some of the things that you've done, how the, the equipment has gotten down to such a small size, you can get a full a full sound and production going on yeah. with something that's almost on your lap. Yeah. You know, a yep. keyboard in your lap, and it's just <laughs> amazing. And it, now. The te- yeah, the yeah the tech the technology just is is um, beyond belief. So, yeah, it's changed quite a bit. Um, I I I, just, I really did like very much the re- the studio part of it, and mm-hmm. in particular the one uh, that I did for Whitefield. Uh, because when I sat down, when I went into the room and the musicians showed up that were going to play, they had never seen me before. We introduced each other. They sat down. The piano player, <laughs> who was the lead musician, had mm-hmm. the music that I was going to do, and the other guys had never seen it one time. He sits down and he says to the guys, okay, and they all took out a notepad, and he started, he said he'd give the title of a song, 
and then he would give them the numbers. You know, they, they have a number system in Nashville. Uh-huh. They don't give them notes or chords. They give them numbers. Huh. The numbers represent, we're going to do it in this key, and they're going to do one, three, five, four, right. one. And he lists yes. all these things off, and they mm-hmm. start. So then he goes, he gives them a down, you know, he goes one, two, three, and they start to play. And I'm telling you <laughs> that from the very beginning, it's like they've been playing that song their yeah. entire life. I'm still, this. listen, that was years ago, and I still... I'm totally blown away by what they're able to do. I couldn't believe it. Uh, so, that was back in the what the, the mid nineties. That, that was the mid nineties, right? Yes, yeah, in the heart of Nashville, and and the thing was, they had me go into the booth after they did a couple uh, songs, and they said, "Well, you know what? Once you you'll help us out a lot if you'll do this." So they had me go in and and set up, and you know how the microphone is and the screen around it and the whole bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at them from back where I'm at and they, they start going through the songs and I just go ahead and they want me to sing them. So just sing them the way, way you want to sing them. So I'd start singing. What I didn't know was they recorded all of that <laughs> because they thought that if I was not nervous, oh. that I would do a better, a better recording. And some of the, that's exactly what they did with some of it is they kept those practice sessions because they were the most comfortable and easy. Wow. So that was interesting. Talk There's just a lot of things. First takes. So, yeah, I can understand why people sometimes, even though they enjoy singing and, re- and all that, mm-hmm. how they can get really taken with the whole production part of it because it's pretty incredible. There is yeah. a big difference between I, I have a little studio here, uh-huh. and uh, you know I'll record tracks. I can. It's a great place to do demos. In fact, I I basically recorded my whole first CD here and had Wonderful. my dad mix and master. It was great. Um, but then the the album that I'm currently working on, I've gone over to um, studio called Black Cat Studios out here, uh-huh. and uh, it's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it is night and day different. So like I'm oh, really boy. glad yeah. that I have you know the studio at my fingertips and everything that I can do myself but man just having just being able to walk in and have them do their thing, work their magic. <laughs> all the instrumentalists and the guy who's you know engineering it all. So awesome. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's it is great. Well, it is it's fun to have other people kind of step in there and just yeah. kind of basically reaffirm what you're doing too and that helps. Very much so. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it also helps to hear, um, which I'm sure, you know, you experienced then too, was having somebody else hear what's in your head and, and, and either do it their way or do it your way, you know, but either way, it just, it's right. That's right. That is. That's, it is amazing how people hear it differently. Yeah. And, uh, and you've, if you've written like the friend of mine that I wrote music for him, he didn't, he liked what I did Uh he seemed to always like it. But every once in a while, the songs, the music I would write would hit his heart in a way. He said, that's, he said, even though I don't know how to do that, he said, that's mm-hmm. what I thought it would be like. That mm-hmm. kind of a thing. That's a wonderful feeling when you, when you connect with that person's heart and you're able to put down what their, what their heart was feeling or sensing. Yeah. It really is good. That's yeah. great. Well, since we were just talking about More Than Hallelujah, um, that's the name of the album, but there's also that song. And you wrote that song, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title track of that CD, I would love to play for listeners. Um, and uh, so can you talk about where you got the idea for the lyrics of this song? Yes, yes. It's a, it's an interesting song because it's um, a song that talks about, you know, in, in the Christian world, and this is really probably speaks to Christians probably more obviously, but in the Christian world, we do a lot of things. We do a lot of things, and I'm sure well-intentioned um, in our expression to the Lord of trying to somehow do what we think 
that God wants us to do. We, we basically we have our Christianese, we have our mm-hmm. own language. It's almost like another language, and and all the things that we do. There, there is that. If we're not careful, it's very easy to act a certain way, and and you and you want your life to really be the way you're acting, but it may not totally be. But so what the song really talks about is that Hallelujah, and Hallelujah is that universal expression of the Lord of, of glorifying Him. Mm-hmm. That it's more than the things we say. It's also what we do. And so the song is basically kind of a, uh, it kind of taps into the book of James where it says, you know, when he, when he talks about people having faith and he says that you can, you can say you have faith by the thing, by basically by what you say, but he really encouraged them to, to show it by what they did, not just by what they had to say. And so that's what the song really is talking about. It's, so loving you, basically it starts out, it says, loving you, Lord, is more than hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Living for you, Lord, is more than just saying that you do. Uh, basically, what the way the song goes, it, it says that it's more than what you say; it's also what you do. So that's kind of the the driving force behind that. So it's more than hallelujah. So it's more than just saying it, more than just singing it. It really is the life that you live, which is really what it's the heart of the gospel. Anyway, Jesus said that he spoke the, the words of the kingdom, but he absolutely and completely lived it out in everything that he did. So that's what the song's about. Praise you, Lord. Is more than hallelujah. Loving you, Lord, is more than saying I love you. Living for you, Lord, is more than telling others that you do. It's more than what you say, my friend, it's also what you do. What do you do when you see another in need? Do you pass them by and offer a prayer or two of relief? And you would surely stop and offer them a hand If you weren't so busy with all your other plans Praising you, Lord, is more than hallelujah Loving you, Lord, is more than saying I love you Living for you, Lord, is more than telling others that you do It's more than what you my friend, it's also what you do. How long before we understand what you do to the least of these, you know you're doing to the Son of Man. by that day Would you keep on walking or find the time to stay Praising you Lord is more than hallelujah Loving you Lord is more than saying I love you 
Living for you, Lord, is more than telling others that you do. It's more than what you say, my friend. It's also what you do. It's more than what you say, my friend. It's also what you do. So once again, that song was called More Than Hallelujah, and uh, we are on with Steve Rutledge, and and um, I have been so enjoying <laughs> talking to you, Steve. It's been so great. Um, I would like to ask you, you know, with your both your pastoring and your singing and music, mm-hmm. what would you say is the, uh, like, is your passion at the heart of it? Do you have a theme with everything that you do? Yes, I believe I do. Um, I think it's kind of something that keeps showing itself in almost every, it seems like in every thing that God ever has me say. Um, I, I, and probably the song more than hallelujah probably actually even could almost be a theme or, or it could be an anthem for Mm -hmm. where my heart is at because it's not a critical song. It's just making us accountable uh, to God and to ourselves to be honest and truthful about where we're coming from. But, um, one of the things that I've, I've felt compelled to do when I first came here as a pastor, first time as a senior pastor, um, I asked the Lord what He wanted me to actually share with the people mm-hmm. as my very first uh, message to them. And uh, I felt like the Lord impressed on me very, very strongly to call them to full surrender of their life to Him. It wasn't saying they weren't Christians or anything mm-hmm. like that, just that He wanted their full surrender. He wanted their entire life. And I think with all the things that we do in life uh, as a Christian, um, the things that we experience, you know, we go through a lot of different things like everything in in life is where you have different times of life where things are emphasized more than others. And one of the things that I realize is that, you know, we we think that, well, to be a really good Christian, we should worship this way. Or if we're really, really serving God, if we really want to please God, then we want to really move, gravitate towards uh, to a healing ministry or having certain expressions of the Spirit. And We go through all these things, and all of them are good. All of them are valid in themselves. They're a part of the gospel. But what happens is that when we are busy, it seems like we do a lot better at chasing after aspects Hmm. of the real thing Hmm. rather than devoting ourselves fully to the real thing. And the real thing from Jesus' own mouth and his own heart was that it's not his will that any perish. And his last words to us were, go into all the world and preach this gospel and make disciples. And I really believe that you can heal, you can pray for someone to be healed, and that's wonderful. You can feed someone who's hungry, and that's wonderful, and you should. You can put clothes on someone who's naked, and that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have the heart of Christ, certainly Mm -hmm. you would do all of those things. But if you do all of those things, if you witness every miracle you could imagine, and yet that person doesn't have come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what have you really accomplished? Hmm. And I think that's probably the overriding theme and everything that God has put in my heart to do is um, to make sure that people understand that the, the very core of everything we are as Christians is the cross in Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His promise of His soon return. And no matter what we do, everything should come from that. I believe, I believe it should evolve or come out of or 
express be expressed out of that very topic. That's what from the very beginning of the writing of Scripture, when man fell in the beginning, God was always speaking to that very end that He was coming to redeem those who put their faith in Him. It's a gift of God, and in that gift, once we receive that for ourselves, we are supposed to turn around. And we are to reach out to and share that with as many as we possibly can. Because the truth is, no matter how many wonderful experiences we have, no matter how many wonderful songs we can write or sing, none of that will mean anything if that's all we have to show for mm. what God has given us. So if He's given me the gift of salvation, that's that what I need to share with others. Now that can be shared through the music, and it should. That can mm-hmm. be shared through ministry and, and personal touch in people's lives. But the gospel has to be the prevailing, pervading aspect of everything a child of God does. That's where my heart is. It's just I I try to introduce that into almost everything that I do in ministry is to remind the folks that when it's all said and done, it's to please Him and it's to share with others. And I really will tell you this is uh, to go along with that. Uh, what I've been doing recently is when we're going through such desperate times, Tara, um, mm-hmm. in our world, yeah. and fearful things that are going on and horrible things that are going on, I said, you know, those things are not good things. But I said, you know what? It's almost like that story of, you've heard the, the, the title, it was the worst of times and it was the best mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. I said, we're living in some of the worst of times, but for the church, honestly, it should be the best of times because the darkness is so dark that the light hmm. of Christ should be shining so brightly that yeah. people will come to that. They should be asking you why or how can you have the peace that you seem to have? Why is it that you are so hopeful? That you Literally, instead of you looking for an opening to share the gospel, people are going to begin to ask you, if you're living that and trusting God, they're going to begin to ask you, how can you possibly have that peace? And so to me, this is, I keep telling us that this is the greatest hour of the church. When it seems to be the most difficult time on the planet, this is the greatest time for the church, not a church, but the church. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's really kind of where I'm coming from. So I don't like what I see happening around the world, but I'm excited about the prospect of more people coming to Christ. And so that's, that kind of gives you an idea of where my heart is and has been. That is that's powerful. I love that. And it's so... Cool like you were saying, so incredibly appropriate and timely. And um, I was just talking to my husband, Chris, about that um, earlier. And another friend of mine, actually, just in the last couple of days, just how how this time is going to, I believe, or has already, you know, started making us be so much more aware and awake and taking on our armor you know, because we're right. we're getting ready to fight, and we don't fight against you know flesh and blood, but the principalities and Correct. powers of the, of the darkness of the of the air, and it's um, it's something that you know there's there's something to training for war, but when you're actually in one, <laughs> I think there's That's a lot right. more of a okay, I'm you know more of a focus and a wow, let's do this. So well, it's time to do what you've been trained to do all your life, and. Yeah. And, 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 and in some regards, we, we have always been, but sometimes there's an intensity in the fighting. One of the things that's encouraging is that whenever God sent the children of Israel into battle, mm-hmm. He promised them the victory. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, the same promise is ours. And, the, and so fear has no place in it because mm-hmm. the only requirement is that we, 
that we show up for the battle and we believe what God has said to us. Mm-hmm. So we are assured of the victory if we will show up. You can't win a battle if you refuse to show up for the battle. Yeah. And, um, and so, so we should actually be excited about it. It's not arrogance. It's, it's mm-hmm. faith and dependence and confidence in, in the God who's called you. And uh, so we're, we're living in an incredible time. And music will continue to play a vital part because they would go forward. They would always sing going <laughs> into battle. Mm-hmm. So we know we have an incredible, uh, incredible place in that. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited about what you're doing. And I realize it's your interview, but I'm excited about what you're doing, and I hope <laughs> you keep doing it. And I hope that you let God just open all the doors He wants to open. You don't even have to push Him open. Just let <laughs> Him walk you through it. And, and, and just always, if you're faithful to Him, if you always exalt Him, then God will take you every place that He wants you to be. And most of the time, that will totally blow your mind. So. <laughs> I hope so. I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I have so enjoyed hearing the just the story, the depth and the wisdom um, you know that, that, that just that comes with experience of walking this road. I love it. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Well, thank you for inviting me and uh, to all the folks out there just um, I, I can I can tell you that living your life for Christ is never boring. It's mm-hmm. always exciting, truthfully, even in the hard times, and God will keep you as long as your eyes are fixed on Him. You don't have to try and do anything except to just trust Him and lean on Him. And I, I mean, I'm 60, 64 and a half years old, which is really hard for me to say, I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I can only <laughs> <But> imagine. <laughs> God has been faithful for all of those years. He mm-hmm. honestly has, and I'm, I'm not sorry for a single day of it. Mm. So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so very much. Listeners, I, I hope you are as, as encouraged and uh, inspired as I am right now, not, not only with you know, the music and, and all of that, but just, just being inspired and, and encouraged to, um, uh, to, to, to just keep our focus on, on the good things, on Christ, on, on the fight that's before us and the, and the victory that's before us. So uh, I hope y'all stay encouraged this week, and I hope you guys also come back to visit me next week, next Friday. There will be another one of these awesome interviews. <laughs> and uh, if you guys haven't uh, listened to, you know, the rest of them before this, you are more than welcome to. Just, you know, scroll back through and, and uh, enjoy listening. Um, so y'all have a wonderful week, and I will see you back here next week. Next week.